Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to your only home for Long Beach sports talk. This is the 562.org. So excited to be talking to you guys today. It's been a couple of weeks since we did a podcast. Hope everyone had a great holiday season. I know we enjoyed getting a few weeks off to catch up on sleep and everything else. Uh, we are back in the thick of the winter season, and we have got probably the most unlikely story uh i can imagine being our, our new most read story of all time at the 562.org um which is that aaron carey the wilson girls basketball coach stepped down over the winter break um she then she and i had a conversation by the way i'm mike he's tyler we probably should have said that up top um, it's all good bro they know us <laughs> yeah um yeah jj's uh, under the weather today and editing and probably uh cursing me out for not introducing myself earlier but uh <laughs> Aaron called me and we had a conversation and she kind of shared some of why she stepped down, which was, she said, um, relentless mistreatment from parents. The Wilson administration put out a statement that's very unusual that's, that stated that they supported their coach and that they were disappointed that the situation with parents um, had led to uh, her resigning. Tyler and I went and covered last night the Wilson-Jordan basketball game where uh, Hank Waddles, uh, a friend of ours, has now taken over as the girls' basketball interim coach for Wilson. So he'll coach out the rest of the season. Um, but as you'll hear us discuss with uh, Coach Carey, this story has really caught fire nationally. Um, and it's been all over social media. We've heard about it from people all over the country. And um, and so we just wanted to have her on to talk a little bit more about her experience. Uh, and so here that is. And then we'll Tyler and I will come back on afterwards and talk a little bit more about our thoughts. All right. It's our pleasure to welcome on former Wilson girls basketball coach, CIF champion, Aaron Carey. Aaron, thanks so much for hopping on the show. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you've become like the most um, unlikely uh, <laughs> big story. You know, I, I you, you, we, all three of us were at the uh, Wilson uh, Jordan basketball doubleheader last night. And I was kind of joking with you. I was like, I really did not necessarily expect a Wilson girls basketball coaching story to be our most read story of all time in our 17 years. <laughs> I'm sure when yes. you, uh, when you resigned, and we talked on the phone for three minutes, you probably weren't thinking, you know, that the response would be as big as it was. But we mentioned it earlier, you know, thousands of shares and comments all over social media. Um, what has the last couple of days been like for you and just kind of how overwhelming has the response been in terms of what you've heard from people? Yeah, well, I think when I sent you the text and said, you could have warned me. Um, I definitely was not <laughs> expecting this response at all. I did um, warn you for I did warn you for the record. You did. You did. I did <laughs> not take it seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, since the article went out, it's just exploded. Um, I'm getting emails from people in central New York, Ohio, um, all over. I mean, it's crazy. Every, everywhere in the U.S., um, people are hearing about it. Uh, the responses I've gotten, I'd have, you know, there's there's always those people that want to go after what they want to go after and, and make it put a negative spin on it. But um, I think if you follow the story and you look at the comments, 90, over 90 percent of it is really positive and people are getting it. Um, it's been it's been crazy. Um, text messages, phone calls, emails, people uh, even last night at the game, people coming up and people I didn't know, <laughs> you know, stopping me to ask some questions about it or offer support. Um, it it's just way bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. And it reiterates how important it was for the story to be shared. 
No, I think that's absolutely true. And we, you know, Mike, Mike said it, we were, you know, surprised at just how quickly it spread and, and, and who we heard from, you know, we got emails from people all over the country as well. And texts from, from coaches that we know, uh, were there conversations that you had with your colleagues leading up to this decision where you'd shared stories of, Oh, I, you know, I had this parent say this, or you'll never believe what happened to me last year. Or uh, was that so, sort of something where there, you had an idea that there was sort of a problem and maybe we just didn't understand the scale to which it's impacted high school sports? Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it. I have two, um, what, you know, assistant, volunteer assistants. They don't get paid at all and they just come in and help when they can and they're there as much as they can while working their regular jobs. Uh, so they weren't there a lot of the time. So it was like when they get there, we catch up over stories of, you know, a text message I got post game or a, a meeting I have to set up to discuss you know, whatever playing time, positions, workouts, uh, every aspect of the game with parents or uh, teachers or whatnot. Um, so when we came down to actually having the parent meeting and this coming down to I'm going to step away, the conversations we had were they both, I mean, as you saw, they they jumped on board full support. Um, they wholeheartedly agree that it was out of hand. And, you know, as somewhat volunteer coaches, sacrificing time away from our families and and everything for the, the pennies we make an hour um it you know it's it just wasn't worth it and they wholeheartedly agreed with me yeah i and just sort of explain the thought process to people i think i've seen you know obviously you, you mentioned in the online response five percent of all responses to everything are idiotic um mm -hmm. there's five percent of you know there's 90 percent of people who are very positive and and we'll certainly talk more about like, Hey, this is a big issue that needs to be talked more about. But then there's also 5% of people who are like, what I would say is sort of like thoughtfully disagreeing, right? People who are like, this is a big issue. We do need to find a way to solve it, but who are maybe thinking, but leaving mid season hurts the kids or it gives right. the parents a win because that's what they were saying they wanted, you know? So what, what's the thought process and, and have you had second thoughts about it or is the response kind of showing you like, Hey, someone had to do something painful to shine a light on this. And I, and I guess it was you, you know, like what, what, what's your sort of response to that thoughtful disagreement, I guess. Yeah. And I agree. I think it is a thoughtful disagreement because they're not necessarily coming down on me for, you know, everyone has the right to their own opinion. Right. So if you thought, if you think me leaving in the middle of the season was wrong, like good for you. That's your opinion. Yeah. Um, as far as how, you know, like what am I teaching the girls or, you know, I, all I've done is hurt these kids and I've left them high and dry you were at the game last night. I mean, they're coming up, they're hugging me, coming over at halftime, asking for advice. I'm still there. I'm still a mentor for them. I always will be. Um, what, what it really came down to was in my mind, I'm teaching these girls to stand up for themselves. Don't let anyone treat you away. You shouldn't be treated and put yourself worth first. Your how you value yourself and what you're willing to let yourself go through or be told or have, you know, people treat you a certain way put your foot down. And, and my girls are bright enough and resilient enough. I, I was, I'm completely transparent with them. Um, so they know why I did it. They know that I will have their back. They still call, they still text. Uh, I'll do, you know, I'll do whatever I can for them, which is why I was there last night as, yeah. as awkward as it was walking into the gym, but, um, I, so, I, mean, I, I, I can only really imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I know Aaron, like, you know, you, really love the the pro it's been obvious how much you you care about that program and obviously winning a championship was a big part of you know making your mark on on the school and and specifically with girls basketball so uh, you know i know that that decision didn't come lightly um and the fact that you're still around and being involved shows that 
it wasn't easy to just flip the switch and be like, all right, I'm done and I'll never think about this again. So, you know, what was the, like, how long was this decision sort of brewing? And then, you know, not necessarily to get into too many specifics, but at what point did you kind of reach the point where you said, all right, I, I have to step away as much as it's going to hurt me to leave the girls? You know, how did that decision sort of finally materialize to where you had to pull the trigger? Yeah, I mean, from the, the beginning of this season, there has been just kind of ongoing nagging complaints, frustrations, disagreements with the way I run the program, things I do. Um, I, I doubt it. Like, I don't let the kids play with these or Fs. They can have a 2.0, which is a CIF rule. But for me, they've got to pass with Caesar better. Some parents don't like that. You know, OK, well, that's how I run my program. Um, so it was just little things going all season long. Uh, what broke the, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. Uh, was the parent meeting where I had my kids' parents, kids that I dedicate. Yeah, I mean, you guys know I put a ton of time and a ton of, of love uh, and for them to look me in the face and say some of the things they did to my face and and, and double down on it. Uh, that was that was pretty much where the contemplation of, am I going to be able to do this for a whole year? And yeah. then the, the social media and the text messages and the conversations that went on post-meeting uh, that I was shown and, and let's see, um, spoke volumes. And that was, that was, it was non-negotiable for me at that point. Yeah. And you, you said it, you had a quote in the article that I think a lot of people, um, really attach themselves to, but you, you know, could you talk a little about the tattoo on your arm and, and what that, you know, those words kind of mean to you? Yeah. So the, I, I got tattooed on my arm from a local shop, Outer Limits. Shout out to Yvonne. Um, Shout out to Outer Limits, the original <laughs> tattoo shop in Southern California. You know, the, hopefully a future girls basketball sponsor. It sounds yes, like. Yes, yes. <laughs> they, they would. If they let them, they would do it. Yes, um, yes. So it's a speak the truth, even if your voice shakes. And uh, that's just resonated with me. That's kind of how I live my life just growing up. I've always just been that person. And it, I couldn't you know, look parents in the face and smile and nod and, you know, or, or I'm not going to change how I run my program and all of a sudden give kids that haven't earned it playing time because that makes everybody happy. Um, and I, even if, it, if, even if your voice shakes, let me tell you at those meetings with Caverly and, and Stacey Alexander, there was a lot of voice shaking. There was a lot of emotion, a lot of tension, fear, uh, sadness i mean i went through the gamut yeah. so well um, and just to, just to give people the context there so you're talking about your principal and the athletics administrator at wilson who have been very right. you know who put out a statement that was very supportive of you which which was like unique i mean you speaking out about this is unique but also them saying we support our coach and are disappointed that the parent situation has led us to this situation so talk a little bit more about that aspect of it i guess that you did have administrators who are behind you but as like people in the comments noted it's like there's not a way to be enough behind a coach that they can actually solve the problem right so what, what was that those conversations leading up to the decision like I guess with them yeah I mean we had a ton of meetings obviously and from the get-go obviously they didn't want me to step down so they were trying to you know what can we do how can we support you uh they were extremely supportive checking in on me sending me text messages to make sure I was doing okay showing up to practices meeting with the parents, taking the annoying phone calls and emails. Um, but you can't, as administrators, they can't tell the parents to stop talking. They can't tell the parents to, to quit sending messages. They can't, you know, control what people say. So were they supportive? 150% as, as much as they possibly could have been. There's certain things they can't control. And and that was the only thing that they didn't do. Yeah, <laughs> and they yeah, couldn't. yeah, right, yeah. Well, and I think in, in a situation like this, you know, people interact with sports differently nowadays. And I think they look at 
you know, they're watching professional sports and they see criticisms of coaches and and they feel like every time a team isn't playing well, they want to fire the coach or they say, you know, and, and so, but I think people aren't realizing the levels of magnitude as far as salary <laughs> with these yeah. positions. And so I, I think that's sort of an education of like, people need to realize that high school coaching, unless you're at the very top of the top private football schools, you know, where you're actually making a legitimate salary, it's much closer to a hobby and a volunteer effort and a passion project than it is to a career. Have you done the math on <laughs> what your hourly wage was as a coach? Did you ever take the time to say, oh, I'm making 13 cents an hour for the time uh, I'm putting into this? I mean, it is truly crazy. And I don't think people really understand the sacrifices that high school coaches make. And it's come out in the reporting of this story, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm sure my wife has <laughs> uh, with all the hours I'm not at home. No, I, I haven't. I, I don't want to. I think that would just be discouraging. Um, but yeah, I think and, and you look about it, the, the teams that are successful, right? The programs that fully function, these coaches are running a year round. They get paid their stipend, quote unquote, you know, their paycheck for the three month season, not the full year of work they're putting in Saturdays and summers not traveling, you know, like I said, so no, I, I have not done the math, but I, yeah, <laughs> I would not be shocked to see how low it is. We, we've, um, we, we've had, so, you know, we've had coaches do that math. I, I would put it like this. You never do the math when you're in a good place mentally, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's often after pair, you know, parental interactions of the type we're, we're discussing, but yeah. Right. So I, you know, I, I, let's talk a little bit of, uh, about the response before we talk about the, the actual issue. Um, you know, you said you've gotten all of these messages. I heard from, I would say almost every prominent high school sports coach in the city texted me and you know as you know Aaron and I think I've served in this role for you a little bit we're sort of the off the record repository of a lot of these <laughs> stories from coaches over the years yeah. and and especially the the people that we've known longer and developed relationships with like and we've always you know we we, we always in the sake of community it's probably not the best journalistic practice in the sake of community I've always been happy to be like yeah like hey man I've got plenty of crazy parent stories to come back at you with. Right. So like, let's talk and, and, and we can keep that in confidence, but you know, we've heard stories over the years. We've had coaches who've had firearms pulled on them on school grounds. We've had coaches that have been physically assaulted. We've had coaches who had to have police escorts out of games. Um, and the biggest issue around that is number one, it's obviously inexcusable. Someone left a comment on Twitter that I sent to JJ and Tyler that I thought was perfect where they said, Oh, it was probably just regular mistreatment, right? <laughs> and I, I said, well, why don't we press pause here and examine, <laughs> you know, what that phrase um, actually means? Because it is an issue that we see not just with coaches, but this is why there's an official shortage. This mm -hmm. is why, you know, we're people have asked us why there's so many Long Beach High School football games on Thursdays now, because there aren't enough referees to play all the games on Fridays. Um, yeah. So do you, as you've heard from all of the coaches and experts and people who've reached out, how big of an issue are you starting to sense that like, okay, this felt like something that was probably pretty isolating to you, but this is actually a really big kind of fundamental problem facing you sports right now. Did you, did you kind of get a sense of that? Oh, I think it, I think I'm surprised that it isn't as publicly talked about or that that this has blown up and been like, thank you for speaking out. The amount of coaches that have reached out to me and said, either I previously 
had that situation and stepped down and I'm thinking, you know, I'll never coach again, or it happened. I stepped down. I'm, you know, I'm finally getting back into coaching or, you know, even local coaches that I've played against in tournaments as recent as Christmas that have stepped down since for very similar situations. None of us hear about it. And, and what's weird to me is they're saying, Oh, it's so admirable that you said something. And when you and I talked, Mike, it was like, there's no other option, right? Like I'm, then the then the parents win. That's for me. The, the parents didn't win because I stepped down. Uh, the parents would win if I stepped down, kept my mouth shut, and you know everything just went on with no one knowing yeah. what happened. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, but that's... no, I think I I think it's mind boggling how many coaches have reached out and said thank you for saying something because you know this all of this has happened and all over the country. Well, and I think it's a unique situation at, at the high school level because you know, you don't get a ton of money to go all these tournaments and buy jerseys and all the equipment that you need. So there, you need a relationship between parents and coaches because they need to support the program and work the snack shack and 100%. like do all these things. Right. So I think, you know, there, there has to be this sort of relationship where you're helping one another and it ultimately is for the kids. Um, and so what would what advice would you give if there's someone listening that you know maybe has an athlete in middle school that isn't at the high school level yet and they're thinking okay how do i navigate that relationship with the coach maybe i do want to ask why my son or daughter isn't getting more playing time and what they need to work on but how can those relationships happen in a healthy way so what what advice would you give to a you know an upcoming or a current parent that wants to make sure that they can have a dialogue with the coach without crossing a line. I mean, ultimately it just comes down to respect between two human beings, right? A hundred percent respect. I think another big one is timing. Like don't do it after the game. (laughs) Uh, Don't do it on social media. Uh, You know, a phone call over a text, text can be so misconstrued. No one knows your tone. No one knows, you know, there's so many different things you put it in caps and you're yelling and uh, there's just so many things. But I I think most successful coaches give a contract out in the middle, you know, the beginning of the season before anything starts with their kind of rules and regulations, follow that, respect that, you know, do those, check those boxes. But the other thing is just be a parent. Your kid just wants you to show up and cheer them on. They don't, they're getting yelled at enough, you know, or, or told what to do enough. They just want you to say you had a good game. You worked hard, you know, better luck next time. Like be a parent, let the, let the coach, I mean, and that's all over social media too. Let the coaches coach. And just be a parent. And if you don't believe in your coach, then have don't take, you know, don't put your kid there. Go do your research on on who's coaching your kid. But once they're there, you got to trust that, you know, the administration has put the correct person in the role. And, you know, again, we're not doing it for the money. So it's we're there for the love and and the love of the, your kids and the game. Yeah. And, you know, kind of trust that. Yeah, I think you 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 hit on an interesting point there. And that's something my wife and I have talked about. I I've coached my kids, uh, basketball, baseball, softball teams. Um, so I definitely see the coach's perspective. You always have the parents, even on an eight-year-old basketball team where you're like, Hey, I could literally be at home watching football right now. You know, like, (laughs) you know, like there's like, you really think I signed up here to, to volunteer this many hours of my life to like, get at your child. Right. Like, it's like, how how much sense is this making? But Shar, my wife and I made the point we were talking, we're like, you know, when our son um, has a choral concert or an instrumental music concert, we go and we sit in the um, auditorium and we clap after every song. And afterwards, uh, he comes over and I give our son or our daughter a big hug and I say, super proud of you. That was so much fun. Thanks for letting us come watch you. Uh, Where do you want to go for ice cream? 
And, you know, obviously I'm his coach, so it's a different relationship. But after a baseball game, my son comes over, right? And, and you're like, hey, man, great job today. This is what needs to be better. Um, okay, this is going to be the plan where we're going to be working and getting better. But there, there is not the culture in sports, whether you're coaching your kid or not, of, hey, great job. Proud of you. Yeah. Let's move on to the next part of the day. It is like we do all put so much more emphasis on it and everything else. And I, I feel like that's that's a big part of this is everyone's expectation that their kid is going to get it. And there's a huge industry convincing parents that their yeah. kids are going to get scholarships and be famous and all this other stuff. Right. But these parents and and uh, my wife's a teacher. I know that teachers deal with plenty of parental issues as well, <laughs> but the immediacy is different of you're just never teaching a kid math while a parent is yelling at you that you're stupid. Right. I mean, like, it's just like the, the, the boundaries of the school campus um, prevent that from happening. Do you think that that's, what's kind of driven this culture shift is parents are looking at coaches as like an obstacle between their kid and a scholarship and success instead of being like, my kid has a math teacher and an English teacher and a basketball teacher. And I'm inherently trusting those people when I, you know, send my kid to school that they're taking care of my kid and, and whatever else. Like, do you think that's what the difference is? Is just like everyone wants more out of sports or, or what's, what's causing it, I guess. Well, I think it's a, a kind of a two sphered problem. I also think teachers do get it. Uh, it might be a strongly worded email. It might yeah. be a letter to the district. I, I do think teachers get it. it. They just aren't in, you know, two rows behind your chair when you're teaching. Right. Um, <laughs> so it is, it is it, right. And I know they get it for sure, but it is a little different with the immediacy of like, I'm going to see you every time you're coaching. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, and I think what causes it really might, if I'm being super blunt is I think parents have unrealistic expectations. We're, we're post COVID kids can do no wrong. You know, they, everyone's going to go D one, everyone's going to get a scholarship. And if you tell them anything different, they don't want to hear it instead of like, I mean, in my programs in the past, I had one year where all five seniors went on and played college ball. I right. had another year where I had six seniors and none of them played. You know, they're all did great in school. But I was honest with these kids. Like, if you want to play, you're going to have to go to a JC. You have a four point whatever GPA. Go to school. Right. Like, yeah, these they're you know, you, you got to be really honest with kids. And I feel like the parents that don't want to hear that their kids are going to be in for a rude awakening when, you know, they finally get the truth and the, the things happen. You can only pump your kid up so much unrealistically before it, you know, really slaps you in the face. At some and, point they're in a game with a team that's running a press. And if you're <laughs> right, I mean like that, and, and that's what we love about sports. That's why right, I want my yeah. kids to play sports, right. Is it is the ultimate, Hey, your expectations, your hope, your preparation is going to put you in a situation where you try as hard as you can and lose. Yep. And you have to learn to deal with that because that's what life actually is. Right. Mm -hmm. But, the, but that, that comes later and later now with, I mean, I, I've talked to JJ and Tyler about it, but like, you see it, my, my son's a baseball player. Like, you know, you see it even at eight, six, seven, eight, like, okay, yeah. we don't like this. We're going to a different league. Okay. We don't yep. like this. We're going to form a travel team. And there's, there is something like good, I guess, about, like it's good that parents are involved it's good that they care i certainly am involved in, and care about my kids stuff but i also have told my son since he started playing t-ball go thank the other coaches and the officials after every game that you play and like no one has to be here right. if they're not here then you don't get to be here right so there is like that um you know to be to to use some coach speak there's like an attitude of gratitude that's like mm -hmm. that's how we should all be approaching all of this tyler and i were sitting here you know three years ago at this time 
hoping that we would ever get to play high school sports again, you know, mm -hmm. because it just, it, the whole thing disappeared. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have a and question there, but that's my point. That's my take. <laughs> yeah. And I talk to my kids about like when I coach my girls, I might use a, a basketball play or a reference and I'll explain the basketball part of it. And then I'll be like, or like at your job, you might have a coworker you don't like, you got, you know, you have a team that you don't get along with. You got to play together. You go into the workforce, you have a coworker, you got to work together. And Coach Boykin and I do this a lot. We tie this sport into real life. So the kids that don't, you know, aren't blessed enough to go play at the next level still get the fun of high school sports, but yeah. then learn some things that are going to help them out in life. But all the parents sees is I told that kid they can't play college ball. I don't play them enough. And they didn't, they don't see all the behind the scenes stuff that, that happens in the gym and the, the practices right. and and as and as oh, a yeah. as a suggestion as a, as a as a sports parent and as a youth coach, what I would take from what you just said is a suggestion to parents: if a coach tells your kid, "Hey, I have coached Division One athletes, and your kid does not look like that right now," that's not an insult. It's an opportunity to ask the coach. That's great that you know what a Division One athlete looks like. And if that's my child's goal, which oftentimes it's just the parent's goal, not the child's mm -hmm. goal, as you know. If that's the child's goal, then that's a great opportunity to say, okay, so what do we need to do? What, what, what do we need to do better? We 100%. need to we need to improve these three skills. We need to improve this attitude. We need to build in X amount more practice a day. What did Ashley Hawkins like? What was Ashley Hawkins's routine? How often was she practicing? How long was she staying after practice? Like a those lot. are good. That's a resource. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot, right? But that's a resource. Like that's that is a positive thing to be able to ask, as opposed to, and there are high school coaches out there who are like, I don't want to bleep and talk about any of this, man. Like, you know, like what, it, like I'm going home, your kid go home, do whatever they want. Like that. I think that's the other reason your story struck a chord is, and it's why I included in the tweet, like you're a CIF champion. This yeah. is not just a, like, you know, there are teams and coaches that kind of rotate through because it, it, there's not a lot of talent and there's not a lot of money. And so there's just not a connection, but like you are one of those coaches that if my kid's playing for you, it's like, Great. Tell me about Samaya Terry's workout. Yeah, and it, right. Like, like, and yeah. that's the part that bothers me is parents being so angry at anything that looks like criticism that they don't understand the opportunity to like use the feedback that you're giving them in a positive way. I don't, that just really right. drives me nuts. <laughs> well, and there's a, there's a cruel irony in this too, because, you know, I was a kid who grew up loving sports and I was at one time an aspiring, a very, a uh, brief period of time, I was an aspiring mm -hmm. athlete before it became obvious that wasn't my calling. And then, so there, there's different ways you can go, right? You can work in sports doing like journalism and communications right. like I did, or in, in some cases, if you're not that great of a player, you can become a coach. And right. so it's odd yes, that some of true. these players that could really be soaking up the game and learning it and seeing it in a different way, even when they're not on the floor, because you see the game differently when you're not playing, because you can look at all different positions, how the team moves you could have a successful coaching career, but if your parents are saying these awful things about your coach and undermining them every step of the way, how could you ever want a career in coaching? You know? Yep. So it's, in some ways it's like cutting off an opportunity to stay involved in, if you do really love the game and maybe you're just not athletically gifted enough for it, there's still opportunities for you. If you have an open mind and are willing to take that feedback. And it just seems like, for, you know, in some cases and perhaps too many cases, it looks like uh, parents are getting in the way of that. And that's really a shame. Well, and ask the kids. I mean, if you ask the kids, because everyone said, oh, you know, you probably don't talk to your player. Oh, I absolutely do. It had nothing to do with the players. Players had sure. no beef with each other. It, it, this was all parent driven. 
it wasn't it wasn't the kids. The kids didn't have the issues. The kids didn't have the problems. They may have gone home and complained, you know, after that game, I didn't get to play, whatever. But when they came to practice, they were working hard. They got along. I mean, there was no ongoing issue with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> this was yeah. a parent issue. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your story. Um, we really appreciate it. You know, regardless of how anyone feels about the Wilson girls basketball team, you very obviously shined a light on a big story that we all need to think and talk a lot more about. And I appreciate you giving us opportunity to do that. So thanks for, thanks for the time. And again, for, for sharing uh, your thoughts. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for running it and for following up and Thank you for giving us local sports coverage that not everybody gets. You guys are awesome. And we, we appreciate you more than you know. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. All right. We appreciate right, thanks, you. Coach. Thanks, guys. All right. Our thanks again to Coach Carey for joining us. Um, Tyler, I thought she's just, you know, I, you and I have both known her since she got that job. And I just think she's, she's so plain spoken and honest, mm-hmm. not just in this situation, but always, you know, about her expectations, what she sees. Uh, it, it, she really does in a weird way kind of feel like the perfect person to start this conversation. Yeah, no, I mean, she's really thoughtful and thorough and prepared with, you know, that's how she coaches, you know, it's just very aware of all things, you know, and, and, and does a lot. And I think that that's, people don't necessarily see that from high school coaches, but the ones that do well, and as we've mentioned in the interview, a CIF championship winning coach, um, you know, you have to know what you're doing to a certain extent to win um, in the playoffs and win championships. And, and Coach Carey's definitely done that and earned the respect of, you know, her fellow coaches. And it's just a shame that that doesn't get shared by the people closest to the program, you know, that that send yeah. their kids there. And so, you know, it's it's never been easier for uh, for athletes to change schools as far as, you know, if they don't like a system that a coach is running or if they feel like, they'd rather get more playing time and maybe there's competition there that they'd rather just have a quicker access to the court. Like those options are on the table. There's no need to berate a coach or question their integrity or make disparaging comments about them just because you're not getting your way. There's so many more options available to you that don't involve you being an asshole, frankly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's it. That, that's such a good point on the the transfer. Like, you know, we're, we're on pace to hit, I think Eric Sondheimer just tweeted a record high 17,000 transfers in California this year. Um, and the rules have been changed to make it easier. You can transfer without having to sit out for a year. And so all of those options are available over, um, you know, running coaches off um, and probably are better options, quite frankly. Right. So I, I think that, I just wanted to talk with you a little bit in addition to our interview, because as we alluded to with Coach Carey, you and me and JJ have we've had a lot of late night conversations. We've had, First of all, the three of us have had conversations with each other. If the wrong parent catches you with the wrong comment on the wrong day, I've had a half dozen times in my 16, 17 years as a sports writer where I really had to go home and sit down and just mm-hmm. think about it. Like, I have X number of job offers for more money than I'm currently making. I could be home with my family more often. You know, obviously we're very fortunate. I'd say 98% plus of the feedback that we get is very positive. And sometimes if you let that stuff in, I think you create in yourself the ability to let the negative stuff into. And, you know, someone will say the wrong thing to you at the wrong time. And you're just like, I remember a parent after a soccer game said something to me one time and I was at a school that quite frankly, no other uh, writers other than the three of us cover. 
mm-hmm. this parent said something to me and I just like, I, I never say anything back. You know, I, I wasn't getting in a fight. I just went home and I was like, what's the point of going up to these schools and dedicating your time on stories that you and I both know are going to get 5% of the traffic that mm-hmm. a Polly Wilson game would get. And then the parents yeah. don't the parents that like, they don't even care. Do you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's or like, they, oh, they're saying something negative, you know, it's, it, it, it does, you do get hit. I always, uh, my wife calls it like the emotional funny bone. You just get hit in the wrong <laughs> spot at the wrong time. Right. Yeah. And it can totally send you home with those kind of dark thoughts, I guess. Well, especially because there's times where we'll stay up till two, three o'clock in the morning, multiple days in a row. And, you know, it, we're not doing it because we're getting a lavish salary. I mean, look around at the journalism industry and tell and find anybody that's getting rich writing about high school sports yeah. lately. Like, yeah. let's be honest with it. Let's be really, you know, honest about it. And we, we've started something different going the nonprofit route and we're super proud of it. But like, it, it's a lot of long hours and then you're going to games where there's not necessarily that many people there. And then the last thing you want to get is criticism that, oh, you're not here enough or, oh, you're finally at this game. And it's like, I'm here. There's no other media here. Right. I made the, tr- I could have very easily said I'm tired and I'm staying home, but yeah. I'm here and I don't know what's going to happen. You right. know, it's like your kid could have an awesome game. They could have a terrible game. The yeah. thing we don't do is write about kids by name that have bad games because right. there's a difference between amateur sports and professional sports. Yeah. College is like right on that line. And it's obviously in a very, you know, it's a state of flux. Right. And so we have to make those decisions journalistically to, protect amateurs and not say like, Hey, they really blew the game by making this mistake. You can go through our coverage. We are very careful about not throwing any kids under the bus. And so we take that very seriously. Um, But there's this heightened intensity or importance placed on amateur sports because that's, you know, the first opportunity that your kid gets this, you know, publicly viewed competition. Right. I mean, beyond the like little league and stuff. It's the social. Yeah. Yeah. It's the social media era, though. It's like everyone wants the Instagram post. Everyone, everyone wants to be able to take a photo that we posted and and make a post that like. So I, I do think that factors into it. But like, I I just want to um, emphasize what you were saying is, I just think everyone has to take a deep breath. I I don't like I don't yeah. know and it like and that's that's where I've gotten to with those negative comments um you know and this is I maybe this ends up being advice for writers or refs or coaches or something like I know I it's maybe less enjoyable in some ways or maybe it's a little sad but like I've kind of closed myself off from the the compliments that people give us too like I I just at this point I do my job for you and JJ and for the kids you know and mm-hmm. and and that's it but like if I let in that 95%, 98% positive comments, then like I said, I'm opening myself up for the negative comment too. And so for yeah. me, it's kind of coach speak, but it's like, it's just very process oriented for me. And it, it's like, there are those moments when you sit back and allow yourself some satisfaction around, wow, look at this company we built. Cause there wouldn't be any of this coverage if we hadn't found a way to do that. But like it, it, you just have to kind of sadly, the way the external world is, you kind of have to like remove it's access to you to have any shot, you know? I, I mean, it's just a very difficult um, truth of it. And I think you were talking to me at the game last night about how much social media has kind of changed that dynamic because you just like, when we, you and I were growing up a hundred years ago, there was just no way for you to tell a stranger that you thought they were an idiot. 
without risking them punching you in the face, you know? Yeah. Or worse. <laughs> right. Or much and that, worse. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And now you, you know, you see this stuff on social media, our social media, thankfully, again, it's like, it's mostly positive, but um, I, I don't know. I don't like, that's what concerns me about it because I don't know what the solution is there. There's not going to be less access to people. There's not going to be less social media. These are multi-billion dollar corporations who profit from getting more attention. So everything they do mm-hmm. is how do we get more attention, right? And how do we agitate? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Like how do we divide people so that that conflict forces them to be on their phone more and stuff like that. And I don't, I'm not asking you for a solution to an unsolvable problem. I just I thought That's that good. was a great Yeah. <laughs> if I had I, it, I wouldn't be working here. <laughs> but I thought that was a yeah, I, I thought that was a great point that you made last night though of just like this is a part of a bigger societal change that we have to collectively figure out if we have any hope going forward. I mean, we just have, we just have to figure it out, you know? Yeah, no, it's, there's definitely a certain disease in people's brains right now where I think they just feel like being that they're comfortable being a prick publicly, you know, whether, and not always face to face because they're usually not face to face. Yeah. (laughs) Correct. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's on social media posting, just like the, the worst things you can imagine about complete strangers who've done nothing to them. They just observe another person and are like, I'm going to make judgments about this stranger because that's going to make me feel better. Or they, they see an obituary and they start postulating about, Oh, what happened? What did this person, you know, what was their cause of death and all this other kind of stuff. And it's just like, there's a grieving family here. You don't know this person. Why do you care? You know, it's, it's like, everything is on the scoreboard now so it's like every time you see something you're like i want to find a way to win for my team no one knows you exist bro yeah you're not important (laughs) you're not moving the needle on anything you're just making life worse for everyone around you and so people just you know they need to look in the mirror and they need a wake-up call about what reality is the reality is is that high school referees and high school coaches are a necessary component of having amateur athletics that we love in the community. We know that that's important or the 562 wouldn't be going on six years strong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just what we wouldn't have made it with all the donations and supporters and subscribers and uh, sponsors, and everything else. Right. We wouldn't have made it six years if people didn't care about local sports. So yeah. obviously there's a care and a need there, but if you drive all the coaches away, no one's willing to be a referee because they're going to get berated during after before games and follow to their car then we're just going to lose it. Yeah. We're just not going to have it anymore. And then the world's going to be a worse version of whatever you think it should be where your kid is a superstar athlete. So it's a dose of reality, a dose of self-reflection and an understanding that like you may not like it, but the more you complain, the worse it's going to get. The less qualified coaches you're going to have, the more inexperienced referees you're going to have. The calls are going to get worse. The decisions are going to get worse. So, you know, yeah. be prepared yeah. to lay in that bed is all I'm going to say. A hundred percent. And, and, you know, we know, we know parents who cared about their kids sports and ended up becoming referees and officials. I know that volleyball mm-hmm. and football officials who did that, like there are ways to get involved if you want to improve things. Um, but anyway, that's just a small slice of this conversation. We're certainly, we have more um, stories and reporting to do on this. Um, but uh Hope everyone enjoyed uh, our conversation as well as uh, some great thoughts from Coach Carey. And uh, we will see y'all soon at a game, hopefully a game, hopefully a game that happens in a normal way and not with another, you know, crazy situation. And if I can speak for JJ as we sign off, Mike, dude, be nice.
Be nice, says the Fid. All right, we'll see y'all soon. Peace.